0: Welcome to the fourth episode of CityWire Switzerland's Thanks, I Quit podcast, which features figures from Swiss finance who've had an interesting career change. Today, I am joined by Dirk Klee, who is the new CEO of cryptocurrency company Bitcoin Suisse, and was previously head of wealth management and investments at Barclays Bank in the UK, and before that was chief operating officer of UBS Wealth Management. Hi Dirk, thanks very much for coming on to the podcast today. The first thing that I wanted to ask you is, is before I come to why you specifically joined Bitcoin Suisse, why were you drawn to cryptocurrency in general?
1: Well, you know, I think it's the the next leg of uh, financial innovation and expense from there. And uh, I just wanted to be part of that exciting journey. I was, you know, involved in in blockchain activities, you know, while I was at uh, UBS and and Barclays, you mentioned it, but... uh, You know, I think incumbent banks are taking a a very slow approach, um, let's say a slow follower approach to that uh, part of of the innovation space. And uh, I just want to be uh, directly glued to it and make a contribution. So that's that's why I'm here. Super excited about it.
0: Okay. And then why did you join Bitcoin Suisse? There are a lot of
1: things I like about Bitcoin Suisse, but it was also a perfect match of my skill set and what this company needs at this point in time. So I'm a scale-up guy. I always looked at techn- technology being an enabler um, for, you know, better client solutions. So back in the days, right, I was one of the, call it, European iShares founders, and I drove ETF ETF adaption. Um, and I see the same here, right? I see a company that has grown very fast um, and, uh, you know, has captured an exciting space and being, you know, a leader uh, in crypto finance in Switzerland. But um, from here, right, it needs further scale up. It needs a bit of institutional grading. And I think, you know, I can bring that to the table. So it was a, a match in heaven when the founders approached me last summer and said, Dirk, you know, we need a guy like you um, who understands technology has always built technology uh, at scale. And that's what we
0: need next. That's interesting. So they came to you specifically,
1: well, you know, we were introduced. Uh, I thought it was just a, a casual um, coffee um, in, a, in, a, in a place in Zurich. And um, I was, you know, I wanted to meet these guys basically to learn more about crypto. And um, the discussion then, you know, evolved and, um, you know, spin off. And after three hours, um, you know, the topic had changed to uh, we want to work with you. And and how do you think about that? And then, you know, it went very quickly from here and um, we we basically you know over the weekend um, shook hands and signed a deal
0: okay and you said when you joined that you wanted to bridge the world of crypto with traditional finance what does that mean in practice and to what extent has that already happened
1: well in a way we are already that today right we are gateway um, you know, for, let's say, wealthy clients, largely, and institutions into the world of crypto. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of decentralized stuff that happens in the back. But we're that bridge. Um, but we're only, I think, at the beginning, and uh, not having raised the full potential of what that could be. And there are still so many people who are not engaged in crypto, if you look at particular the European landscape, and the interest that we see coming in is, you know, I think is evolving quickly and is is taking now the next layer of mainstream. Right? Originally, right, it started with people, you know, early, the early crypto punks and people, you know, understood what was going on and taken a bet. And then, you know, private individuals came in, family offices. Now it's institutions, right? Now it's, um, you know, call it the the, the, the normal wealth uh, person who just believes I need to have for all sorts of reasons, like diversification or store of value. I need to have some something in crypto, and and I think we can be exactly that bridge, given our position. You know, we're over three hundred people, um, Zoop based, Crypto Valley. We're one of the you know early founders of this whole movement here, but, but we're also a very safe and secure place to deal with, and that's what these you know, customers are interested with,
0: right? I've seen there've been some very limited examples of, for example, pension funds entering into cryptocurrency. Um, It was quite widely reported last year that the Houston Firefighters Retirement Fund, which is a US public pension, invested in Bitcoin last year, although it was a relatively small amount of money as far as pension funds go. Do you think we're going to see a lot more pension funds in crypto? Do you think a lot of institutional players are starting to see crypto as perhaps safer than they would have been before? Because at the moment, it's perhaps seen as a very volatile asset class. It,
1: it does, but it still provides diversification. It still provides an entry point into building what, you know, the next version of the internet will be. So there, there are all sorts of reasons why you want to engage in crypto. And, I, you know, to your question, in Switzerland, actually, you know, the, you know, Let's say one pocket of the pension assets, um, they're actually opening up to crypto. They allow it. Um, you know, as a company, we're even lobbying with the S&B, right? So the National Bank to, you know, invest in crypto as a further diversifier. It is becoming mainstream very, very much. But, you know, it, it'll, it'll go on stages. There will be iterations. Um, you know, some countries or some, some regions uh, will go first. Um, others will follow i think there's a different situation um, in the us than here switzerland is very much at the forefront right of of crypto regulation we see the eu actually uh, um, waking up and also want to become a leader um, the uk is also you know where where i worked um, uh, for a long time and you know where my previous job was is is now also um, at least i think from the kind of political level is sending very encouraging signals of you know we want to be crypto land and so right so at the end of the day you have to open up institutions and the pension asset universe to crypto as well i mean it will come um but you know it's not a straight line
0: And you talked a little bit of there about diversification i mean how meaningfully decorrelated is it if i say buy some bitcoins versus other risk assets
1: well, at the moment, it's not. Right. I mean, I mean, look at, you know, uh, the correlation that we're seeing, at least since the, you know, late 2021 going into 2022. It's very much correlated to uh, technology stocks. But but I think, you know, it it is it is kind of the long term trend that we need to watch here, not just being very cyclical and, and you know, and, and a lot of. You know, a lot of developments that we're seeing in the investment space right now is correlated to, uh, you know, the war we have in the Ukraine and people, you know, uh, you know, are getting a little bit more concerned about risk taking and then risk off scenario, right? Um, You know, those companies and, you know, look at, you know, cryptocurrencies at least being partially a financial technology um, game, right? Being very much correlated. So, you know, we're not contesting that, but, but I think, you it, know, it, eventually it will um, decorrelate and, uh, you know, cryptocurrencies will be that diversify and will also become less volatile over time. And, you know, it's, you know, we're very much uh, also a Bitcoin, f- you know, fan, you know, and um, we see it also as... Um, you know, another version of gold uh, in the digital space. So, you know, our investors, at least, they're not worried about this situation. They've seen, you know, kind of these storms before. But, you know, if you look at it, right, historically, each of these tests have only strengthened, actually, the crypto world and Bitcoin, whatever you were literally thrown at it, right? So, you know, the China clamped down, for example, and then, you know, mining went west, and the US became the best next place to do it, right? So it's still there; it's still growing. The interest is huge, and it's an enabler, and it's a it's oil to to you know all 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 sorts of blockchain and, and related technology innovations that we're seeing right now.
0: Do you personally invest much in cryptocurrency? And if you do, is that a long term thing, or is that something you've started recently uh, since you joined Bitcoin Suisse?
1: So I was, I would say, a little bit playing around before I joined Bitcoin Swiss. But, you know, on the day I signed the contract, I opened an account with Bitcoin Swiss. Um, I invested substantially into into Bitcoin. I'm always a long term player. Um, Like I look at this company and want to, you know, contribute to be this you know, a leading house in the long term, taking no shortcuts. Again, right on regulation and providing the best customer solutions. And you know, my own dealing is the same, right? Um, you know, I have. Um, I'm still a fan of ETFs, to be honest. You know, I I'm I'm long ETFs, and I'm long Bitcoin, and also hold Ether. And uh, you know, I want to also, over time, um, explore other cryptocurrencies. Um, but I'm in.
0: Are any of your wages paid in cryptocurrency?
1: Well, absolutely, and um, we are doing this. Um, my, my only, um, you know, <laughs> slight frustration at this point is I joined first of April, and uh, my like like all other Bitcoin Swiss employment contracts, um, you know, I have a three months uh, uh, waiting period. I'd call it this way, so you know. Uh, in three months, um, uh, part of my salary, um, you know, we can choose here between um, Bitcoin and Ether, but a substantial part of my salary will be paid out in crypto. And, you know, you, you have to be a believer if you work in this company, right? Truly. And I am. And uh, I'm, I'm very excited
0: about it. Then, in terms of Bitcoin Suisse's business model, three of your main areas are trading fees, staking, and custody. Will this remain the case in the future? And how do these business areas work?
1: Yeah, let's start with, you know, who is the target client, right? Who is the customer to be served? So, you know, by large, it's affluent, wealthy and institutional clients. Um, We do also um, have, call it uh, a retail proposition, but our retail proposition is largely a B2B2C model. So we have something we call Bitcoin Swiss Pay, right, uh, and that's uh, a joint venture um, we have with Worldline, which is you know one of the world's largest uh, you know payment companies, and we provide the crypto infrastructure, you know, for their merchants, and that's a model, right? We would like to expand, and that's pretty much, right, building the foundation for retail clients and you know small, medium-sized companies engaging into crypto, and we're very fond of that. But as direct clients, we're focusing um, on, you know, call it the wealth segment and institutions. <coughs> and for those, we provide, you know, trading. We have um, a best execution model where, <coughs> sorry, where um, you know we provide best pricing um, uh, for clients who deal with large amounts in crypto. Um, you can also do that online, but you know you can access the trading desk. you have your dedicated relationship manager. And then clearly the next layer is once you do that, those kind of you know private keys that you have, um, you provide a storage facilities. Let's call it very secure somewhere in a Swiss mountain, very protected. Clients love that. And then, you know, the next, um, you know, business line is staking. So there is a huge interest of our clients to, um, you know, earn a yield on their cryptocurrencies. And, you know, that is what we do here. Um, we also do lending, um, all sorts of auxiliary services around trading, custody and providing yield. And uh, there's more to come. Um, you know, clearly we are exploring the NFT space. You know, tokenization. Um, but you know, I would say there are a lot of pilots, and you know, if we decide to do something, we want to do it uh, real and and in the, the best way clients can expect from a provider like us. We're also exploring DeFi. Uh, we just launched a, a product with uh, liquidity, um, which you know is also providing you know basically earning uh, additional income on cryptocurrencies. So there's a lot of things that we can do uh, in terms of products and proposition. The the other layer that, you know, I will explore is um, expanding geographically. We're pretty much a Swiss house. Uh, We do have clients from from over 100 countries, let's say. Um, But, you know, we, we don't have, you know, other than kind of technology hubs, we don't have a a presence as Bitcoin Swiss and other countries uh, as kind of target markets for accessing clients. And, you know, this we want to change. So we're reviewing,
0: you know, options we have to expand into other countries. When you say expanding, you mean opening physical offices elsewhere?
1: We can serve a lot of clients globally out of Switzerland. But, you know, as you've seen with big houses, at some point you need to be close to where your customers are. Um, so we'll we'll make a, a couple of let's say dedicated bets where this should be. Um, and then you know it's not just having a presence, but it's also you know solving licensing questions, you know what sort of business we can offer in these countries. Sometimes that comes with a presence, right So there's only so much you can do um,
0: as being kind of a a Swiss call it onshore offshore place. And also, Bitcoin Suisse did previously want a banking license and then seemed to change its mind and decided it didn't want a banking license anymore. Would you, in the longer term, be interested in a banking license?
1: I would say say a maybe, right? Um, And and the reason is that um, I'm I'm looking at us as, you know, a fintech technology company. Um, I I, I just want to make sure we're not becoming a boring bank. Right, So, basically, we're doing a reverse where actually we want to be at the forefront of innovation. We want to explore DeFi space, right? And, you know, we are evaluating if that banking license is, is either supporting that. And if it's not supporting that, then, you know, we need to look at alternatives. So, we haven't made a, a firm decision at this point. But, you know, we're also quite comfortable with not being a bank. And, you know, if you look at us, right? The, the, we, we've grown tremendously, right? Even after that announcement, you know, we're taking or not taking up. You know, we're we doubled the size of employees. You know, our business um, um, has grown substantially with doubled profits, all without a banking client license. So it's not that we are unregulated, but you know, I think we want to be, you know, keep that edge of of being at the forefront of of innovation. And again, right? So that may be helpful or not, but It's not a major priority at this point.
0: Okay. And you also, in 2020, you raised 45 million Swiss francs, valuing yourselves at about 300 million. Um, In the same year, the founder, Niklas Niklasson said that maybe you could have an IPO in a few years. He said at the time, who knows, maybe 2022 or 2023. Do you think you would be interested in an IPO at some point?
1: Well, that's, I think, you know, that's a, call it a natural step at some point, right, of, you know, becoming a a grown up and more mature company. Um, So I would say in the next years, that's clearly something we want to explore. Um, but you know, timing is, um, is is absolutely key for that, and we have so much, you know, work on innovation, and also, uh, you know, providing let's let's say also a degree of stabilization, automation for the company, right, to scale it up really that. I want all the resources for be focused on, 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 you know, on customers, on products, on, you know, on technology and innovation. And and I would only consider an IPO or something like this if our attention doesn't get dragged in the wrong direction, because you know we're we're here we're a growth company, right? And um, an IPO or going public at some point will come, I believe, right? But. It could also be in a couple of years from here. Well, I think, you know, um, um, Lucius Meiser, right, who's my, yeah. my chairman um, and, and myself, we are in an ideal complementary uh, combination. So, first of all, he's been with the company since 2017. He's a, call it a serial IT entrepreneur, um, uh, you know, very, very um, visionary person uh, and very much in the detail of technology um, and that, you know, complements with my own skill sets, which is, you know, uh, yeah, I also work with technology, but, you know, I I, I did run large, you know, companies or, or divisions of companies, and I'm a I'm a call it more institutional scale up guy, but the combination is really powerful, um, and I think we'll we'll be an awesome team um, to to take the next steps.
0: Okay. And then looking a little bit at your career before Bitcoin Suisse, perhaps directly before, so you were head of investments at wealth management at Barclays. Did you have much experience at Barclays with grappling a little bit with the crypto space? Was that something that you were having to deal with how to integrate that into wealth management clients' portfolios? I think
1: you know. I think Barclays during my time wasn't ready for that, and um, the focus was more on you know integrating the business into a digital-first model, right into the Barclays app. Uh, Barclays has done a lot of cool, innovative things. If you think about, they have um, over 10 million uh, customers on their on their app, and you know they're doing a lot of you know other good things and open banking and and. But you know, that and I contributed to that and, and I thought, you know, that's a much better um, you know, value um and, and and best time spent for me and and transforming, call it a legacy business, which was kind of a little bit, you know, all over the place. Like we had a Kind of an online bank, which is called Barclays Smart Investor. We had the traditional wealth management business. We had other businesses right in the investment space, and I glued that into, you know, a straight through, digital first uh, business model and uh, integrated it into into the Barclays app. And I think you know that in itself, you know, is it as exciting as crypto? No, it isn't. But you know, that was a uh, a major leapfrog um, on innovation in itself. But that also meant the focus was here and not on entering the, the crypto space. I think also, you know, if if you look at the customer base that, that, you know, Barclays UK is largely serving, right? 20 million private customers very much also being a retail bank. You have to be very careful how you introduce crypto in that space, right? Um, and customer duty and all of that comes in and suitability. Um, and I think, you know, at the time, at least until a month ago, right, when I left, that hasn't been thought through in a way that I think, you know, we were ready to do it there.
0: You were head of wealth management and investments. As someone who sees themselves as a technology innovator, how did you find having the final say on investment decisions? Or was that not so much of your role?
1: No, it was very much of my role. (laughs) But I think, you know, it's, it's it's a bit of, you know, another DNA. And I would say, you know, yeah, you can always call yourself a little bit kind of a technologist. But if you look at where I come from, I I didn't come from technology. I explore technology. Um, But I think, you know, I, 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 I think, you know, the best way to lead a business is from a customer proposition lens, right? What are you delivering? What's the value? Why should clients join you right and and on board and and i think that is um that is very much which is at the forefront of my my mind and what i'm also you know bringing into bitcoin swiss it's already a customer focused uh business but you know i think we can do uh still still much much more But, you know, to your point, um, in particular, right, in the crypto blockchain, let's say DeFi space, right, you could easily get lost because, you know, there are hundreds of opportunities. And as a company, right, with all these kind of people who want to do something cool and new and have ownership on a piece, right, you could end up with running hundreds of initiatives which are not kind of prioritized and, you know, which don't add up and, Basically, right, you dilute yourself and not going for the bigger opportunities that the companies have. And my my role is, right, to be that kind of sorting uh, mechanism, right, and, you know, providing, you know, know, what's priority, you know, what's the opportunity, what's the customer value, can we actually do it, do we have resources, Um, does it connect to other things we're already doing, so we have kind of a bit of a synergy we can already build on, and so... This is a discussion that 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 clearly um, is is super important for any company, right, in technology innovator space because again, right, you could be easily right, go in hundred directions and end up with nothing.
0: Yes. Yeah. And then before Barclay, as you were chief operating officer at UPS wealth management. <clears throat> um so um how 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 was your time at the wealth management business there?
1: Yeah, so at the time, right, you know, as you know, right, um, um, UBS Wealth Management, the world's largest wealth manager, right, over two trillion in assets being basically in every country. But what I noticed, right, as a CEO is that technology wasn't connected. So you basically had in each bank, in each country, its own infrastructure, its own offering, you know, whatever, its own. It was like a. Spaghetti, right? Um, You know, nothing was aligned um, and you couldn't leverage the scale, right? It was so diluted from just being or everyone wanted to be different in every country where at the end of the day, right? It's, uh, you know, you need to have a global offering. You need to go through a centralized CEO and you need to have technologies that supports it. And when I joined uh, UBS and said, listen, you need a, um, a global wealth management platform. Right, so basically, global banking platform, and and I delivered that, and and no other bank has ever done it. And a lot of people, right, have warned me and said, "Well, maybe this is too big of a project, right? You can't do it, and it needs to be, you know, multi-country, multi-language, you know, multi-regulatory, and so forth, right?" And you know, super complicated, and will take whatever years. And we we delivered that in 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 three years. Um, I spent. Uh, uh, a billion, um, um, so use dollars or francs if you want. Um, and, you know, was very happy that the bank trusted me in running such a big project, but we delivered it, right, on time, in scope. And what you then had was basically, you know, with one whatever pushing one button, you could distribute, you know, products in all client portfolios. You know, we did Europe and Asia at the time, but didn't include the U.S., uh, for some reasons, but, uh, you know, technology is now there and they're still building on it. So, you know, I think you have to, when, whenever you, you take a job like this, um, it's it's not like cookie cutter. You can replicate what I've, you know, iShares was a different thing, right? Uh, here they needed to take the spaghetti out, right, and come up with something that is scalable and consistent and, you know, works um and and you know i'm i i love to i love to do those very difficult projects um actually the more difficult the more excites me
0: what's it like to turn up to your boss and say i want to spend one billion francs of your money and everyone's saying the project is impossible
1: well, first of all i didn't tell him it's a billion i uh, <laughs> to be honest i think if i remember rightly we started with something like 300 and then you know we found out over time that you know it's way more complex and than... so um but but you know um it, it's it's like you would expect you run um, a big company You you need to you need to trust people, and at the same time you need to support them, and then also provide a bit of control, right? And I think that happened to me, and this is also what what I did with 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 my teams, right? Um, giving them that upfront trust because that I think makes everyone right work even harder, right? So you, you can't just be. A, control guy and and just believe um, you know things happen by putting pressure on people you have to you have to empower them you have to trust them you have to but also you know be there um, day and night and and you know and just just you know be there when it counts and take it over the finish line I remember when we launched it in Asia I was in Asia I didn't sleep for weeks right I was super scared um i was also told from upstairs that whatever well, if you screw that up then you know i mean can't even think about the consequences so i mean yeah there was pressure but i took the pressure on me and tried to take actually the pressure away from my team right i had over two thousand people working on the project and uh, and i said listen guys if if and i said it in public right and i said if this fails um i i you know i i, I will resign and i'll take it on me right um, and, yeah. uh, and and the consequence of that, right, in the in the final moments was the people worked even harder, right?
0: Would it be fair to say that you worked in wealth management at a time when several really large banks, including UBS, were making wealth management the centerpiece and saying investment banking is very risky and has cost some of these banks a lot of money? Did you anticipate wealth management evolving like this? Because... Perhaps you could have tried to shift into investment banking instead when you left BlackRock.
1: Well, yes. So I anticipated it, and it was part of my kind of onboarding. Um, and if you remember, right after the financial crisis, UBS went belly up, and um, because they had a um, exponential investment bank, um, and you know, they they took it down. It was actually. Um, in, in hindsight, was, was a great thing for UBS because if you look at many other banks who are now in trouble, right, they came well through the financial crisis and didn't make the real cut of downsizing the investment bank and making this simply a support function for wealth management. So in 13, when I joined UBS, that decision, top of the house, has already been made, right, it was still a big investment. I said, okay, now here's the plan, we're taking it down, Wealth management is at the core. UBS was already well positioned in wealth management, but when I joined, I think we were number three or two, and then we went uh, to become the, the the number one during my time. Um, and it it made all the difference. right? it made all the difference in culture, all the difference in you know becoming. A little bit of boring bank, right? Uh, so my boss Sergio Motti, always said that I want to be a boring bank, and you know, I was thinking, why do you say boring? I just want to be maybe a good bank. Um, but but what the wealth management business is, right? In contrast to investment banking, it's 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 very much a customer focused business, which you know in, intrigues me. It's very much a fiduciary, right? We work on behalf of customers. Um, it's very much, you know. A stable business, right? Unless you do really crazy things, which you shouldn't. Uh, it's a good business, right? It delivers value, you know, not, you know, for customers clearly, but also, you know, for let's say for the bank and and you know for shareholders as well. So, I think that's always the space where I wanted to be, um, and and I'm trying to bring the same DNA now into Bitcoin Swiss. Is you know, I want everyone here to just talk about customers. What can we, what can we, we're here to help you. What can we do better? You know, this is, whatever, right? And, and that's the spin. This is, crypto world is not about, you know, doing funky stuff because you believe you're a genius or you are, uh, whatever, want to get rich yourself, right? I mean, we want to be the place where people join us to provide better outcome for clients.
0: Do you think to an extent then part of your job is explaining to institutions that crypto can be if they see that as a good thing boring
1: um, i think it will not become boring soon right but you know being <laughs> a good thing right um being you know helping to diversify being part of a technology revolution um you know and 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 it and it's happening i mean I have to say, right, I mean, it's, it's early days, but but I can already see with me joining, call it, you know, more an institutional guy joining Bitcoin Swiss, um, I'm getting bombarded by requests from large institutions who just, you know, can we come, can we learn more, you know, whatever, <laughs> we need to explore the space. There's a bit of, I almost sense there's a bit of FOMO right now of these big institutions who haven't done anything and now they just want to see what, how, how they can, participate right and uh, you know well that's we're we're here to help Um, you know we're we're we can explore partnership models um, but also we want to stay independent that's very important to us because you know we want to lead this um, um, revolution evolution and you know not being kind of sucked back into the old world
0: So you definitely wouldn't want to be sort of taken over by some giant banking corporation or become some smaller element of some very large operation?
1: Well, you know, at least I wouldn't have the fantasy right now to see how this could best work for us and them because there's there's a bit of learning, right? If you look back and I've seen that very much in the UK, but also in other places where... You know, when, when fintechs came about. That was, you know, before crypto, right? The fintechs came, and then, you know, the the banks bought fintechs and they killed them. Um, and, and you, you can't integrate a fintech into a bank because you know it's, it's you know it's a heavyweight institution, you know, it goes somewhere in the queue, and then you know, these people lose their, I mean, the fintechs, the agility, and good people leave. That has never worked, but the banks got smarter. The banks got really smart about and said, okay, let's not buy a fintechs, let's integrate them as a B2B model, right, into our infrastructure. And if you look at, you know, just one example, which I did at Barclays, I did that with scalable investment. You know, it's Europeans' biggest robo and I wanted to have a digital play, right, for my wealth clients. And we didn't buy them. We didn't even buy a stake in them. We just said, you know, can you run it for us, right? And, you know, here's kind of the requirements. And this is, how, you know, where the API connects with the, with the bank. Uh, and, and it worked fabulously, right? And, and by this, we, we also ensured that we are part of that technology um, revolution, but without killing what fintechs are really good about. So I think banks have learned, Right. And I think the same will happen in crypto land. And you know, is it the smartest idea of a bank to buy us? I don't think so. Yeah, whatever. But you know, I, I think it's much smarter if they if they if they work on a partnership model with us, where we can be their crypto partner in some way. But you know, we keep our independence. We keep our you know, agility, fast moving, right, the DNA of the firm, it's really, really important. So I think, you know, you can match that.
0: And I think one of your roles at UBS, wasn't it, was that you were the chair of the Risk Committee for Wealth Management. How has that influenced your approach to risk management at Bitcoin Suisse? chairing the
1: Risk Committee um, at UBS Wealth Management, right, I think was, I mean, it wasn't a fun job always, to be honest. But you know, it it made me a, a well-rounded um, manager. If you you know, if you take a senior role, you cannot just be a customer guy or technology guy or risk guy, right? You need to do everything. So I, I learned a lot here. Um, but what I what I really learned there was, you know, it's not about the policies. It's not about running committees. It's not about you know giving speeches. It's you know you have to turn the culture of a company to make everyone, right, an owner of the risk, right? And being everyone has to be a risk manager, right? A lot of people say that. But you know, if you if you live it, right? And and you know, for for example, if you have somebody who's running a big customer group and you know he comes to you and says, you know, we on wanna onboard this and this client, and you say, Well, actually, have you reviewed that? And would you do that? Right. And and, and this, no, I wouldn't. Then, then don't come and ask me. Right? You you gave you gave the answer. And and the same is right with you know whether it's a technology delivery. If if everyone kind of thinks and feels he's a bit of an owner of this, and he's basically taking a step back and would ask his mother, is this a good idea to do it? And he would think, no, my mother wouldn't say that's so a good thing. Then then you have established the risk culture. You need to uh, control risk in a, in a good way, right? And it's not just penalties and all that stuff. That 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 is kind of a secondary consideration, almost, right? So I think the same needs to happen at Bitcoin Swiss. I'm, I'm not saying we don't have that, but um, if you if you are a customer focused business and you think about customer first, it's also a sorting mechanism how you think about risk. Right? Can we do that? How 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 would how would that work? Would that put people in danger or whatever? And um, and then you don't do it, or you take risk and you do it in a risk based approach and said, you know, yeah, we understand it. It's a risk. It's a major risk. We still want to do it because you know we put controls in place, and if that happens, there's also plan B. So you know, running running a crypto company like running any other company includes risk taking. If, if you if if you don't want to take risks, then you also you shouldn't you shouldn't be in the role, right? So you you can't be the person who stops everything. But you know you have to establish a culture that is the best way of risk mitigation, and then you have also some controls around. it.
0: Is that your approach to risk management? You think would my mother like this? Does does your mother okay. is your mother a fan of? Absolutely. Yeah,
1: I, I think I think you know. At the end of the day, I mean, at least for me, right. I'm now, as you can see, right. I'm I'm quite long in the industry, and I've seen all sorts of risks and companies. But, but, but you need to be um, as a as a leader. You need to be driven by values, because often, right, regulation and laws they come after the fact, right. Everything. I mean, we had the financial crisis in two thousand eight the legislation the regulation happened later but you know why why couldn't we stop it in 2000 or before 2008 and i think you know it's often it's, it's 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 the value system that should drive you and 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 i think that's you know and it's, it's exactly what you say i would think you know if i would tell my mother that i'm doing that and she would kind of make a face like this then I was probably wrong, right? Would she approve uh,
0: of you um, leaving leaving a job at a well known, very old bank for a new crypto company?
1: Well, you know, she would say, Dirk, you you um you always had a tendency, right, to kind of move to the next, you know, most exciting thing, and you can see that in my CV, right that that drives me, right. I'm a call it serial entrepreneur in 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 taking new mountains this is the the next mountain for me and she would probably have said good luck but it's crazy um but you know she would have supported it i'm sure
0: i saw also you were i believe head for germany austria and eastern europe Mm -hmm. and you started that role in i think 2008 so Mm -hmm. i mentioned this a tiny bit earlier but how how similar do you think the point that cryptocurrency is at now is to where passive funds were in that era, where they've grown so much since?
1: Very, very much so. So, you know, I was before, right? I was 10 years PIMCO, Alliance Global Investors, head of distribution, but basically running mutual funds, right? Active funds, so all active funds, fixed income everything. So then I got approached, right, from... The iShares guys and and they said, but well, you know, we're building ETFs. You know, it's still small. They blah, blah, blah. said, that's so cool, right? And I think it's and, and, and you know, and I said, it's the much better product. I would buy it. I, I don't really. I mean, you know, if I look at all the statistics, active funds, right? You know, statistically, they always the longer they always underperform, and it's only kind of a certain. Period of time they outperform, and then they run around with these track records, and they are high f- fees, and they are partially intransparent, and I wasn't believing. I began to disbelieve in my own products that I was running, right, in my previous job. And then, then I saw ETFs, and I said, "Well, isn't that cool? Right? It's transparent. It's low cost. Says on the tin what it is. I do understand how it's run, and you know." And then I joined, and and but it was. It was still very much an, an, an uphill battle, right? So, you know, I joined the company, um, you know, went out to banks because I needed companies to distribute my products. And they well, were you not paying us a retrocession fee, a kickback? And mutual funds at the time, they paid kickbacks, right? So, you know, we're not making money with it. It's, a you know, not interested, not doing the work. And, um, and I said, well, how poor is that, right? And, you know, because... I always believed the best product will win. And um, and, and you could see this. The, the banks and, and, and distributors were basically permafrost, right? We, which we had to break through. And what we then kind of did, right, uh, was we started direct marketing. So we said, well, then we don't talk to you anymore because you don't want us. But, you know, then we launched big marketing campaigns, you know, to retail clients. and at ETF, you get all screwed everywhere, but retail investors should start investing in ETFs. And um, and then what happened was that the retail people, they came to their bank advisor and the bank advisor said, yeah, you're absolutely right, but I'm not allowed to give you ETFs because we're not making money with it. But, you know, so, so you know, that started. And then, you know, we engaged with the consumer protection companies, right? So agencies, right, in, in the countries and and they were writing about, you know, how great ETFs are. Right? So, you know, yeah, we had a breakthrough. The same is happening and will happening in crypto. And, you know, I'm, I, I can't wait. Right? It's, it, it, will be, it, it will be, I'm sure it will be very similar. But, you know, it's not again, right? It's not happening overnight <laughs> and you have to be quite creative about breaking that ice.
0: Were you also bored of bonds because we've had a long period of equity outperformance since you left PIMCO? Was that something you anticipated at all or was it more the ETF side?
1: No, I was bored with bonds too. Um, so, you know, that was a, a reason to, uh, to, to leave. And I think, you know, if, if something works, you know, perfectly well in its steady state, um, um, I, I'm, I'm probably not the right manager. I, I thought for myself, and I want to do something new where I can just learn. Um, and I see the same right at Bitcoin Swiss, where I, I'm learning from everyone here. It's mind blowing, and uh, and and that's what's really cool. And I can only encourage people to, I mean, make sure you you still keep your narrative. So. You, if you look at what I've done, right, I'm a repeat offender of trying to be right in the innovation technology space, but in a different context, right? Change, you know, a little bit the viewpoint, you know, sometimes you can be kind of more a COO and sometimes you lead a business and sometimes the product is more innovative than than others. but. I I like that journey and um I, but I'm also sure right that crypto won't bore me for the next couple of years right it's we're still very much at the
0: beginning back in the day you used to be a lawyer is that useful did did you decide very fast that you didn't want to be a lawyer anymore yeah i was a
1: lawyer at a at a uh, you know very uh, renowned uk law firm and, you know here's the thing my, my father was a lawyer when i was when i was young i didn't know better i started law i had had good grades um i made it into you know at the time probably even now one of the best law firms in the world to then find out i was totally misplaced right and um and you know it was really like you know people would expect right i mean you were writing legal opinions and were doing due diligence and it was so boring um that after three years, I I wrote I wrote three applications, um, all being um, you know non legal. Um, I ended up with Allianz, right? Who was a big insurance company at the time. They wanted to start asset management, and they just set up an SPP for it. And I was employee number thirty. And my my pitch was, can I do anything? But not law. That has absolutely nothing to do with law, right? Because I, I'm so bored about it. And by the way, you know, you can look at it. I have a PhD with Summa Cum Laude. I have a Master of Laws. LSE. I did all of that, right? But I was bored because I knew it. And then once I knew it, right? So it makes it doesn't make sense to do it anymore. So, so, so then I, I started with them, and then I said, well, you know, you actually. You have a little bit kind of a weird background for someone who wants to work in asset management and, you know, OK, we take you. But uh, would you accept that? I was very young and I had just married. Uh, would you accept a 40 percent pay cut? Uh, and I said, yes, I do that. Um, and, you know, it has paid out over time. But, you know, I I just thought that I can learn more there than being so- a lawyer.
0: You took a forty percent pay cut because you thought mutual fund distribution for bonds was so exciting. Exactly. I mean, many probably many people listening to this podcast would agree with you, and maybe not so many people who don't listen to this podcast. But perhaps you're you're in the right place. Um, so, thank thank you very much for uh, for for coming on today, Dirk.